Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, and thanks for joining us for 5 Miles Easy, where we go behind the scenes on the highs, lows, and uphill battles on our running journeys and bring you conversations to inspire, motivate, and get you one step closer to your goals. So let's race up for 5 Miles Easy. Hello, today on the show, we're going to be joined by Dr. George Bounds, and here is a little snippet of what's to come. Public health recommendation is 150 minutes of physical activity in a week for an adult, okay, 18 to 64, all right? Um, however, 27% of the adult population are thought to do, if you could give people one drug that would solve the majority of their problems, whether that's mental health, respiratory illness, cardiovascular illness, diabetes. Don't be a slave to your program. I think that's probably the biggest thing. So we are so excited to dig into the hub of knowledge that is George's brains on all things injury, pushing your limits in running and elite sport, and asking the very big question of is running healthy? But before we get started with that, Steph. What has been happening in the life of Steph McCall? How's your week been? Oh, my week. Okay, so I've been trying to catch up with a lot of sleep. Um, been a bit jet lagged. Got back from a very fun holiday uh, in North America. Got back like a week and a half ago now, but it's just been yeah. getting back into work. Then a bank holiday and then just all out of sync, but I'm getting there. Um, and I think... I've got the extra pressure of trying to cram in all the sleep because for context, we are recording the week of the big half. Yeah. So we know it's important to get that rest in before racing. So yes. Yeah, race week for both of us. Yeah, Exciting. exactly. Yeah. But yeah, your trip looked insane. I feel like every time I go on Instagram, <laughs> it's like a picture from Steph's trip to Canada. And yeah, it's making me very jealous. But no, it was it was great yeah, fun. The travel account. <laughs> My travel <laughs> account. I mean, it's the only time I get good photos, so that's what I post. But yeah, it was great. And also I find like when I go away, I don't unless I'm recovering from a big race, I don't want to miss out on my training. So 
I always mm. make sure I can prioritize that as well. And it was a great place to go to be able to train really well. Uh, yeah. I feel like there were just so many great cycle paths and yeah, you get some good sessions in. So I feel like I'm well prepared nice. um, and rested without having to work. So yeah. Yeah, minus the jet lag. Yeah, minus the jet lag, but yeah. we're getting there now. You'll be good by the weekend. Yeah. yeah. And what have you been up to? How are you feeling for the weekend? Uh, I mean, less exciting. It's been very much in, pretty much in London. But yeah, training's been going well. Had pretty uneventful week in a good way. Um, actually did, having said that, I did my last session today. And you know that last session before a race, you expect it to feel so easy. Yeah. And it didn't. And I also went into it thinking, oh, it's only a little session. And I was by myself. My usual training partner, Ben, has gone on holiday, which is just not allowed. Um, <laughs> so I had a solo session on the track in Tooting. There was a kids club there. So it was like, Hectic. those summer clubs so hectic and i was just i kind of went into it with that mindset of like oh it's the last session it's going to be easy and actually it wasn't easy which yeah and but worry. i think you're way more switched on like in tune with how you're feeling in that mm. session before a race because you're thinking right i need to feel you know at my peak for this race so you want the session yeah. to feel really good but actually you probably you're not thinking about that in other sessions, you're just kind of doing them. Yeah, especially so. when you're by yourself, I think about how I'm feeling so much more. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when I'm with someone else, it's just like, you're either following them or my thought is like, don't let them down for this rep. <laughs> Hold it together. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's, yeah, overthinking. But I do feel like I've had, training's gone well. And actually before like the last couple of days, I've been feeling just very excited for the big half. That's good. But... I think I've got a bit of late onset half maranoia creeping in. Yeah. I think I've been distracted the last few weeks and now I'm on that like race week kind of like trying to, as we discussed before, like trying to implement these mental strategies where I'm not mm. overthinking everything on race week and yeah, just sort of having that rational brain switched on. <laughs> yeah, I am excited. I am excited. So it'll just be interesting to see how it goes and... Yeah. yeah, we'll definitely do a recap afterwards. And for you, will the big half then be, what, three weeks out from Berlin? Well, update on that. I've oh. also, having said I've had an uneventful week, I've actually had quite a stressful week because I'm not into Berlin. No. After, <laughs> after very confidently saying on, I think, two episodes that I'm into Berlin, I'm now not so... Ignore that, listeners, who watched episode <laughs> one and two. Yeah. Um, yeah, a little insight into the elite marathon world here. You don't actually just get into marathons, which... It seems to be harder. It's it's really bizarre, and it's actually not something I realised, hence why I was so blazingly confident about my spot. But, um, yeah, it's a lot harder than I thought. And it's a funny one, because I've I think because I've only really done... I've done London and Seville. London is is quite easy to get into as a British marathoner because they want the Brits doing it. Yeah. The other marathon majors just operate completely differently, which is something I had no idea about. And I don't have an agent, so I'm sort of learning on the job a bit. And the, on this occasion, I've learned the hard way. Let's just put it that way. So, yeah, I thought I had a spot and... 
I just hadn't heard anything, but kind of assumed it would be all right. And it wasn't. So it's full and I didn't get in. Okay, so will we get an update We soon? will get an update. I do actually, attend, well, I'm, I know what, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to jinx no. it <laughs> again. But hopefully have actually sorted my quandary yeah. for the, for the autumn marathon. But yeah, I'm not announcing anything right now. So stay tuned. But either way, when you're going to do inviting. one. This, this training yes. is not going to waste because you've if done I some have. mammoth sessions. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Puma Running. And we have a very special discount code for our Five Miles Easy listeners. You can get 25% off any Puma running product by using the code 5ME25 at uk.puma.com. George, we are so excited to have you on the show today. First question, what is your why when it comes to running? Well, thanks for having me. I'm very much excited about being here. I love your um, Simon Sinek question. Um, I think probably like you guys are higher end runners than me. So I'm I'm not going out there to try and win events. I'm just going out there for the the love of it. And um and so I think it's the way it's it breaks up your life. You obviously spend a lot of time sitting in clinics and you see people who are injured and then you start talking to them about where exercise and running particularly fits for them and when they lose it, how that can then have impacts on the rest of their life, particularly like stress management, things like that. And I think that's the kind of the freedom that running gives you, particularly if you, yeah, there's nice places like Richmond Park, isn't there, and Bushy and all those kind of places. But if you think further afield, you know, this year I wanted to do the Centurion 50, which I've done before, just because it's nice, lovely countryside to run through. And, you know, you, you, you can do it, you get a similar thing with cycling, but I think running is the best kind of free event that you can just go and do in your own space. And... Yeah. um and in your own time definitely the days if you've had a bad day you want to get, you know go and do a run if you're having a good day you want to go and have a run and i don't think you necessarily get that from other things you mentioned the stress management aspect of it now i can imagine your job must be pretty stressful at times would you say does running is running your way of managing that oh definitely yeah um it's funny when you go to conferences and you've got a group of sports medicine people together and physios and all these other people where you have factored physical activity into the program, mm. which is great. And, you know, physical activity is how sport and exercise medicine as a specialty was, was brought out, if you like. It's a legacy from the 2012 Olympics. So when in 2007 the Olympics was granted to London, the exercise element and trying to get people more physically active, whatever that was going to be, for them, something that they enjoy doing, because not everyone loves running, just just because we do. Yeah, <laughs> everyone does. Can't yeah, it, <laughs> exactly. Anyway. What is that about? But um, you know, trying to get people more physically active, being yeah. being the key, and then doing it in a safe way, which is why you see. So the NHS has a um, couch to five k, couch mm -hmm. to ten k. You know, it's just trying to engage people in their own little space around, oh, you know, running being one of them, but but other activities being, you know, maybe something that it leads them on to doing. So I think we can all agree that great mental health benefits from running and generally exercise is good for you. But you obviously work in a slightly different area because you're in elite sport. And so you see athletes pushing their bodies to the absolute limits on a 
pretty much daily basis. You know, I can I can speak from my own experience and I my goal is kind of to push my body as hard as it can and find that line like just before it breaks and kind of operate at that level for as for as long as I can essentially. You're always pushing the barriers and you know sometimes you get it wrong and you tip over and that's when injuries happen, which again you must you must see that a lot. Yeah. So I'll be interested to get your thoughts on whether that is healthy. You know, is is elite sport healthy? And is it healthy to be pushing our bodies that far that often? Yeah. So when you go to conferences, you get people, they have, they, they chuck these out as do like academic debates when you get various people coming up and debating it. I think the important thing with, when you think about elite sport like that is thinking about the whole landscape, kind of just going back to what we were just saying about physical activity. So public health recommendation is 150 minutes of physical activity in a week for an adult, okay, 18 to 64, all right? Um, however, 27% of the adult population are thought to do less than 30 minutes physical activity in a month. Wow. 27%. That's wow. research proven, okay? So that's a huge amount of people. If you think there's, let's say there's 70 million, these are rough figures, okay, so don't hold me to it, but 70 million people in the UK, let's say there's 20 million under 18s. There's, I don't know how many people over 64, but let's say there's another big massive chunk of those. So, the majority of the adult population, you're looking at 40 million probably quite comfortably. And you're saying that 27% of those people do less than 30 minutes. So anything for those people in the physical activity space, walking to the shops, mm -hmm. getting off the bus one stop early and walking home is going to start pushing you in the right direction. Because physical inactivity is the fourth biggest killer. Yeah, that's shocking, isn't Which it? Which is crazy, right? Yeah. And there's no skill required to walk down the street. Something so preventative. Sense. But what are the you know what are the barriers that are holding people back? Whether that is depression, whether that's obesity, whether that's concerns about cardiac health or whatever. But if you could give people one drug that would solve the majority of their problems, whether that's mental health, respiratory illness, cardiovascular illness, diabetes, it's physical activity. So the more that we can we look at that, and then you've got elite sport right at the top end, done by very very few people. I don't know how many professional footballers there are in the country, but you know what I mean? There's four main leagues, basically, isn't there? Mm. And then, you know, look at all the other Olympic sports stuff. Very, very few people do it. And so, yes, when you're pushing yourself, as you say, very, very hard, you might get a, pro a cardiac problem or a rare respiratory condition or a muscular injury or, or a bigger injury. You know, like contact sports, for example, you have, you have a big knee injury, it takes you out for a while your arthritic risk is going to go up down the line. But if you ask those people, would you rather do this or would you rather do something else? They're always, pretty much always, going to say that they'd like to do it. And there's a whole industry that obviously sits around sport in terms of <coughs> you know, building the facilities and the entertainment value that it brings and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think in general it's a force for good. Um, and I think it's a shame when it gets criticised, if I'm honest. Um mm -hmm. Also wondering um, what you were just saying about those at the other end where we're trying to get more people active. Do you think enough is being done about it? I know we said there's couch to 5K and other 
schemes going on to try and get people into moving more. Yeah. But what else can be so done? So moving medicine is a public health um, faculty of sport and exercise medicine collaboration, really, that's supported by the other rural colleges, etc., about how to educate healthcare professionals to give some advice to the population, basically, whether that's one minute, two minutes, three minutes, and just trying to sow some good seeds in there. It's not a criticism of the pharmaceutical companies, but if you're an American you've got and you're just about to become diabetic on the on the blood sugar scales, they'll start offering you medication. But it, the studies show that if you actually offered people physical activity and you got them to continue doing it, and you've got to find something they enjoy, don't just tell someone you've got to go and go running. Because it doesn't work for everybody. No, of course. Um, whatever it is, you get people being more physically active. I use that example of you get off the bus one stop earlier mm -hmm. just to do a little bit more and then you build that up. You know, you, you can you can stop people progressing into diabetes if you if you if you use that approach. Mm -hmm. um, so if you, you need as many people as possible basically telling that message and repeating that message and doing it on multiple platforms on a regular basis because you're talking about changing culture and then you're up against other people who've got different interests, if you like. But if you if you did the medication and the physical activity, then you're going to get an even better effect. Yeah. So th there's a there's a bit of a mindset shift, but much of that is because we're quite reactionary in this country mm. and, and also in Western medicine in general, right? We're not very, we're pretty sedate. We have pretty high density foods. We don't have to be physically active if we don't want to be, as shown by the stats that you know, I gave. And the more that we can be, uh, you know, use the example of lockdown, whether that's riding a bike or going for a walk or going for a run, but just getting out and doing something. Mm. Um, you, know, you don't have to spend money, which often people use as a barrier. You're just trying to get physical activity into your life can make yeah. a big difference for you. So I think we can probably agree that being active, doing sport is healthy overall. Um, but what about, so I know you've, competed in some ultra endurance events and i think compete is a bit strong but yeah no, you, <laughs> you guys are much better than me to be fair maybe more than us yeah. oh, okay fine all right i'll, I'll give you that it's pretty impressive let's put it oh, that I've way done, yeah, I've, yeah. Done bits, I've done a few bits i've done a few bits, a few bits. Can, and that's kind of a completely different thing altogether you know like only a very very small population are doing ultra marathons iron man's yeah. Or Iron Men, we weren't sure which Iron, one it was. It should be Iron People, really, shouldn't it? Iron People, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Iron Events, yeah. Is pushing your body for such a long time and quite hard for a long time, is that good for you? I think especially actually is, yes, there are a smaller, a smaller percentage of the population, but I think it's more, people train less for it. You know, you get that's the thing. You obviously it? get elites at it as well. Yeah. But more kind of you I mean, especially now, let I, I know loads of people who are doing ultras and which is awesome and Ironman and stuff, but maybe they're not training like elites because they've got full time jobs. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so you, you so you find loads of these people who and we see them in clinic who, you know, I'm getting up at four thirty or five o'clock in the morning yeah. to do something before I then go to work and then I'm doing something afterwards and and people do it at certain points in their life, don't they? Mm -hmm. Particularly, so if they've they've had a bad experience, and that could be a bereavement or a breakup, or or they or they've maybe had a health scare. Maybe they've gone and had a health check, and they've been told actually, you know, you need to lose some weight, or your blood pressure is a bit high. And so people get motivated in those different ways to, to do things, don't they? Um, and then yeah, you like you say people do sometimes take it to those extremes, and then that's actually where people in the 
in the general population who haven't got that support network that you'd have within a high performance setting, you know, they start breaking down. Yeah. Or they put themselves at risk. Um, and so actually, probably I would say that those, I don't want to, I hate the word weekend warriors because it's not, because they're doing, they're training every day of the week. Mm. You know, they're almost, and they almost are training every day of the week. They're not resting like an elite athlete would do. Yeah. Um, because they're worried about time and they're trying to balance their whole life around this extra new job that they've basically created for themselves. Mm -hmm. They're actually probably pushing their bodies even harder. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, the, you, from a upper respiratory tract infection point of view, so there's lots of data on these things. So if you do 10 hours training a week, which is a good amount of training, right? So for most people, average people, even if they're training for these things, that's probably more than most of them are doing. But yeah. when you get to that point, that's actually protective. So it improves your immune function. But as soon as you start tipping over 10 hours, your immune function drops quite a lot. Okay. And that's so why when you're then an elite athlete and you're probably doing 20, 25 hours a week, you're actually quite immunocompromised. And that's where having supplements, so the use of you know multivitamins, um, probiotics, um, vitamin D, for example, is needed to kind of keep you healthy. Um, particularly if you're, you know, let's say you're an ultra runner in the Alps. So, you know, you, you're going to see all kinds of weather in the same way that a professional cyclist would. Um, and if you're doing it at that level, your body fat's going to drop. So a lot of your resilience that other people would have, you, you lose. But then you get, but then that then becomes the goal for these people who are doing it, you know, as a bit of a life change or they, they're aiming for that big goal of they want to do an iron event or they want to do a big ultra. So then they try and pursue that. And so if they're then doing it on reduced calorie intake, then they're going to increase their risk of, Bone stress injuries or muscle injuries or upper or persistent upper respiratory tract infections and so that's going to massively impact on their performance as well mm. so and actually i guess lack of sleep as well if you're trying to fit it in yeah I'm a job, then yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you and then you're just smashing loads of caffeine yeah to try and keep yourself awake whilst you do your no doubt stressful job balance your life all that kind yeah. of stuff so what's your recommendation and what to prioritize oh i mean that's that's like the million dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, sleep's a great recovery tool that a lot of people probably don't value enough. I think, to be fair, mm -hmm. um, cross training is also another big thing. You know, I think when we see a lot of runners say when they when they come in injured, whatever they're and it's a generally a lower body injury, isn't it? And so they don't they can't go running, but what else can they do? And so you say, oh well, you know, can you bring something else in like swimming or cycling, perhaps, or maybe you know, another activity like that. Um, it's quite good because it just offloads them. So most of the five, sort of couch to 5K, couch to 10K, or people who are trying to smash a certain time at a marathon, they just end up doing too much running. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that increases their risk of those bone stress injuries or other injuries that they might pick up that they haven't necessarily addressed because they're running in old trainers, for example, rather than something that's appropriate for their foot type and their gait analysis and all those other bits that yeah. if you're more of a full-time athlete with a nice puma deal that you'd uh, <laughs> you'd have time to focus on and stuff like that yeah. yeah yeah and that's i guess it's all relative right so you don't have to it's not just people who are running you know 70 plus miles a week if you go from running i don't know 20 to 40 because you're trying to smash a marathon you're going to have that same risk yeah and that's why you know in, in elite sport they talk about acute versus chronic load and you guys will know about this so acute is what you're doing that week and then the chronic is what you've done in the last four weeks so when you're training when you're organizing your training blocks you'll look at increasing that acute load every week for those four weeks 
and then you'll have a down week so it's just so you can recover but still train do a little low level and then you're trying to build it up every time if you haven't planned your training because you just want to run a marathon you just want to go and do it then you might have all these peaks and troughs and then that's where you're going to, you're going to subject yourself to more injuries so there's always this thing between the sort of spring and the autumn main season of when say marathons are on because they tend to be the ones that really provoke the injuries in, in, in most people you get this kind of four to three weeks just before where the, where the injury loads come up into clinics across the country and things yeah. get missed naturally but yeah every every spring and autumn we're getting people coming in with with injuries and you're like that you really shouldn't be going you know my advice is to not go and run this event and that if they do they they generally don't achieve what they do and they get and make their injury worse but you know you always hope that people come to you at a time when Maybe they're planning it. Yeah, it's not too late. What's the most common running injury that you see? Is there one that just so, stands I mean, out? Medial tibial stress fractures always get missed. Seeming, seemingly, those, seemingly, <laughs> seemingly, <laughs> seemingly. I've got an age group. Tri- I've got an age group triathlete, and she's and she's a lawyer in the city, and she's like, I've definitely got one, and she must. I mean, she just like literally on tap wants to have a scan. I'm like. I'm pretty sure, you know, full-time Team GB athletes don't get as many scans requests as you're having. <laughs> but in fairness to her, she's so attuned with her body that she knows when she's done it or not. And then yeah. she spent a lot of time then going through back through her training um, log with her coach. And then she's identifying when she happened and when they happened. And, and actually, that's quite a good feedback because she knows that she has the training program and then she goes beyond it on a regular basis because she's trying to balance this busy job and mm. what goes with it and... Such Maybe doesn't do doesn't cycle. do the small bits, um, but I think that's I see that a lot. Um, yeah, that was when I mean I got mine when I was working full time, and I think it's exactly as you say. I wasn't doing any of the little things because I always prioritised running, even when I know realistically, and I I knew this at the time. By the way, if I actually missed a run and went to the gym instead, I would I would probably see more benefit. But it's such a difficult thing to do to, especially when you've got a coach setting your daily mileage to not, you know, it's such an easy thing to hit. Yeah. And I was, I used to commute to and from the office. So to me, that wasn't any time cost. I'd be like, well, actually, it's quicker than getting the tube. So I'll just run again. And, you know, I was just then also going from sitting down all day to running home and then not going to the gym. And unsurprisingly, I got very injured. Yeah. But it's it's having been there, it is, you know, it's a difficult cycle, even though I knew and I'd been told by several specialists that do your gym work and it won't happen. Yeah. Um, that's the thing, but I think it's a particular thing for running, is that yeah. runners like running and yeah, they don't yeah. like doing anything else. Yeah. Which yeah. is exactly yeah. what you said at the beginning yeah. about gym work, yeah. right? It's so, so much easier to go out for a run <laughs> than yeah. like yeah. the yeah. effort of going to the gym yeah. as well. Yeah. And also, sorry, just to add to Rose's point, I think also when you're balancing so many things it's also like getting the recovery and so the timing getting your sleep in but also like the timing of fueling so Mm. eating enough but also the timing of it so you're training late being able to like have a meal or get sufficient energy in after a late session it's hard to like get all of that right when you've literally got no spare time to cram it all in and i think if you speak to nutritionists i remember this one particularly when you're dealing with sort of academy 
academy kids and you're trying to educate them on, on good things to do. Mm. They're like, look, if you're coming back late from something and all you've got is, this is going to be great advertising, McDonald's or a takeaway mm. or something like that, but that's going to give you something better than nothing, yeah. then yeah. You, you've got to have it. Mm-hmm. Not saying you're going to eat that all the time, okay, but you know, a sensible nutritionist is going to say, look, you've got to take some calories in because it's fuel. And if you don't take yeah. the fuel, then you're going to burn. Mm-hmm. And then what you're burning is either muscle or bone density. Mm-hmm. And, and then that you're going to put yourself at risk. Yeah. Um, so, and it's, you know, it's, that's why I try when I give advice to, to patients, you know, with these lower limb injuries, you know, the calf strength is always down. It's like, this is like cleaning your teeth. You've got to do it every day. It's a bit boring, but even if you just do a little bit, mm-hmm. you're going to start chipping away and put yourself in a slightly better space because you don't want to go to the gym, but doing a few calf raises while you're cleaning your teeth. Yeah. Yeah, right. The thing is, it really doesn't take very long. No, at it all, really yeah. doesn't take long. Yeah, and you've got. To, but that's a, that's the thing I think. I mean, you've got you got to try and work with people about like what is their barrier and how do you break it down and then how do you get them to see like oh yeah you're right actually if I just had a sandwich in my bag or I boiled some eggs and I took them to eat on the you know on the train on the way home that's going to give me a little bit of protein better than nothing. <laughs> Everyone on the train's going to love yeah, that. Yeah, well maybe not. But you know, as an example, um, you know, some some easy. something yeah. that's you know you could just relatively. You know, you, no real skill required to boil an egg, if you like. Um, yeah. But it gives you, it can give you something, which is yeah. better than nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah, small steps are better than no steps. Exactly, yeah. And with no steps, it's actually really going backwards. So for the non-elite runners of the world who do have the busy jobs and might have to compromise and not have the absolute ideal training, what would be your, if you could give three top tips for injury prevention that are realistic what would they be don't be a slave to your program i think that's probably the biggest thing you know the, these programs are often written in an idolized way write these down <laughs> <laughs> i think it's too late for you <laughs> i think it might be <laughs> but i think that's the thing i think people go you know let's just use a marathon we've got a 12-week marathon program you know the, the main thing is that you hit that big whatever the big run of the week is and then yeah. in the week where you're more likely to be busy, if you don't do that 5K on Tuesday, does it matter? It probably doesn't. Mm. You know, the cross-training bit, I think, is really important, really important. Making sure you've got the right footwear is also really important. Ideally, if you've got two pairs of shoes, you can, you can, you're not running in the same shoes the whole time. I think that's helpful. I appreciate there's a cost element for all these things, but you've got to think about the cost of injuries and if, you know, mm. and, and how you're going to feel about it, I think. Is that because of the foam compression? What's what, that? Why, why do you say two pairs of shoes? Because what you tend to find is that uh, people will just hammer a pair of... You get this advice from some sports shops and it always... And they're always the people that then come in with an injury. So they'll say to, they'll say to people, like, don't change your shoes with a month with like a month to go. Like, well, you, you might have to change your shoes of the month okay. ago. Yeah. If all you've just done for the last two months is running a pair of the same shoes, because mm-hmm. you're likely to have shot those, even if they were brand new shoes. Yeah. Like, so if you've got two pairs, you, you've always... Because if you get a wet pair of shoes because you've gone out running in January, you don't want to put them on the next morning if that's when you're going to do it, because your foot's going to slide around, blah, blah, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you've got a kind of... um. I did, that's an ideal thing as well. You know, if you haven't, then it's fine. It's just it's what it is. And then we can just add on more and more and more as we go down. But, um, but yeah, no, I think I think those tend to be the ones where when people haven't necessarily done that, that they, they, they then need some sort of medical input, whether that's to see a physio or a chiropractor or an osteopath or 
or somebody to help them out? If I had an FAQ section of my life, I think number <laughs> Do one. Do you have one of those, Steph? I, I don't have one. But <laughs> sounds like we all need <laughs> to have an FAQ section. I might build this into it. my life now. Yeah, go on. <laughs> the FAQ, when I say I'm a pro marathon runner, is always, are your knees not worn out? Is running <laughs> not going to destroy your joints? So the million dollar question for you, George, is... <laughs> Is running bad for your joints? Do Steph and I need to go and book in our knee replacements <laughs> in a month? Because I've had lots of injuries. Well, I haven't had that many injuries, but I had a few injuries. None of them have been related to my knee joints. But I have actually had a couple knee injuries. So don't ruin my point, Steph. <laughs> great, From great your undercut there, Steph. Experience like of injuries. Yeah. Having seen a whole array, how many of them are your knee joints? Is running bad for them? I think if we go back to what we were saying before about not being a slave to training, thinking about your body, thinking about your cute on chronic load, thinking about getting your right footwear, thinking about maybe doing some strengthening work. Mm. Because so arthritis, in arthritis within your joint, it's generally, generally it tends to be improved by improving strength around that joint. Yeah. And so being physically active and running, if you're using running as your physical activity, is good for your bone density. Which is important, particularly, particularly good girls. For your joints. So there's a gain for the your bone strength around doing um, loading activities. So over yeah. the age of sixty, yeah, I go back to what we we're saying about public health. So over the age of sixty-five, you should be doing two sessions a week where you're doing something that's going to give you load mm. because it's good for your bone density. So it reduces yeah. your falls risk because your balance is better, and then it means your bones are stronger. So that if you do fall, you don't break something. Yeah. So, um, many ways, you know, keeping up running, if that's what you do and you see, I mean, you see people in their eighties and nineties, don't you doing these, doing a marathon or doing a 10 K, absolute celebrities when it happens, aren't they? But it's brilliant. But so, so yeah, there's going to be rarities, but, um, you know, ultimately over time, all your bones and all your joints will start to wear out. You know, that's a natural process. And you're just trying to um, get the use out of your body whilst you can. Yeah, you? as much as you can whilst you, yeah. whilst you can. So yeah, I'm definitely yeah. not going to say that running's bad for your knees. I like that. Answer. Just to be clear. I like that. Yeah. Well, that can go as my FAQ answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there's just so much we can explore with you. We're gonna. Yeah, we need, need a whole we other need episode. A, we need an episode too, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I think we could. Uh, yeah. We could pick Part up two. on a few of those points. Um, we can pick up a few of those points. We'll we'll go on to our final question that we like to ask our guests so we love supporting anyone's achievements and we love when they celebrate their own achievements so it doesn't necessarily have to be something in running can be in your career life whatever what would be your high five me moment where you'd give yourself a high five? Oh, so good and not giving myself high fives most of the time um I might give you a really geeky answer. Love it. Which is, so I did a degree before I went to, to medical school and it was all about you had to get a 2-1. And um, and I was like, and it was all 80% in the final year. So I basically was just like, it's all about the final year. And it was really all about getting your dissertation really good. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just worked really hard. I just put, you know, you talk about the hours, of, like you were only expected, you expected to do 20 hours a week 
for the 10 weeks to collect your data. And I must have done twice as much hours because I was like, there's just no way I'm not getting this. So, um, so yeah, I broke all those rules about following training rules and stuff like that to get, to get it. But then I got it and then I got, I got a first and then I was like, right, well, this then opened the door to doing what I really wanted to do, which was, you know, was to be a doctor and work in sport. And so if I hadn't done that bit and really kind of put myself under pressure for that academic year, um, where a lot of other things kind of went out the window, then I wouldn't be here now talking to you. So that's probably yeah. my high five moment. Oh, that's awesome. I love that it. is a very good one. High five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, George. Well, it's thanks been for having me. So fascinating speaking to you. And yes, we definitely need to do a part two because I mean I have so many more questions. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. and hey we good. get like a free consultation here so <laughs> <laughs> when can we book you next <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll we can talk about that can't we thank you for joining us for five miles easy see you next week Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.